Hey everybody, this is Krista Stilwell, Communications Assistant at LFCN. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus who join with God in the remaking of all things. We pray that what you hear is a blessing and helps you join God today. If our church can help you and serve you in any way, please drop us a line at 765-447-7655. Enjoy the sermon. So when Proverbs talks about wisdom, and when Proverbs talks about foolishness, it talks about them as a way, as a path, as a journey. So in chapter 1, verse 15, don't walk in the way of foolishness. Chapter 1, verse 19, these are the ways of the unjust. Chapter 2, verse 10, These are the paths of justice, the ways of the saints. These are the good paths. Walk in the ways that are good and the paths of righteousness. And what Proverbs wants to help us to understand is that there are two paths, two ways to live. There is the way of wisdom, and then there is the way of foolishness. So the Proverbs aren't really concerned about individual decisions as much as they are concerned about the cultivation of a way of life because they know that the path of foolishness has an end. It has a destination. And Proverbs knows that the path of wisdom has an end. It has a destination. And the path of wisdom ends in a very different place than the path of foolishness. So as we are traveling down the path of foolishness, if we continue down it, Proverbs says, ultimately we will end up in this kind of a place. And as we travel down the path of wisdom, ultimately we will end in this kind of a place. Wisdom is going somewhere. And foolishness is taking us somewhere. And wisdom, ultimately, the writer of Proverbs believes, provides us with what they think is the good life. This vision of the way that works according to how God has always intended the world to work. And everybody has a vision of the good life. Like, our financial institutions have a vision of the good life. Our academic institutions have a vision of the good life. Our, our, our commercial institutions have a vision of the good life. They have a path that we should follow in order to get there. So, what we do and how we live and the paths that we take, they begin to shape our hearts so that what we think the good life is aligns with the path that we are following down. And Proverbs wants nothing more and nothing less than for all of us to travel down the path of life that leads to the flourishing of all of creation. But the writer of the Proverbs is making an assumption. They're making an assumption that not all of us do this well. In fact, 
their assumption is most of us are fools. We're not wise. We're fools. And you know, um, I would agree with that. And if you don't agree with that, I have some video evidence to back up my claim this morning that most of us are fools. In fact, I think that the foolishness of this world most often can be personified. <laughs> I think the foolishness, this, this will not be on the podcast, I think the foolishness of this world can most often be personified with a shirtless, middle-aged male and a thick southern accent that says, hey, y'all watch this. So I'd like to submit my first piece of video evidence that most of us really are, are foolish. Here we go. Yeah, we got, we got a bunch of tourniquets for you, Carl. Nah, I have confidence in you, buddy. Hey, Jody, you want to remove your badge and your other stuff? Get ready to put the tape on him now. Not really. All right. <laughs> I, I had to cut the video off there because some children might be in the room today. It doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. You guys seem unconvinced. You seem unconvinced. So uh, maybe my second piece here of video will, will help to really cement my point. the Proverbs. <laughs> we need help. Now listen, one of the most common experiences where we need help that all of us can relate to, um, especially, well, especially 10 years ago before the, um, before the proliferation of like a GPS device that was in your pocket, but most of us can still relate to like the, the reality that like we need directions, especially when we're driving. In fact, there's this incredibly fascinating study that was commissioned by Garmin. M many of you know that Garmin makes high-powered GPS devices that you, know, you, can, you can use in all sorts of capacities, and they commissioned this study, and this is what they found. They determined that men, over the course of their lifetime, men will travel an, an extra 900 miles while lost. So they, they found that they were lost, and instead of stopping and asking for directions or consulting a reference point or figuring out how they got lost, they just keep going. Men, we just keep going. And Garmin figured out that men will travel an extra 900 miles in their lifetime while lost because of their reluctance to ask for directions. So... To help you understand how long 900 miles is, 900 miles is the distance between Lafayette and Orlando, Florida. And people will travel 900 miles. They didn't have to travel because they refused to ask for help. Because they just wouldn't search for wisdom. So the book of Proverbs speaks of two different kinds of paths. 
And these different kinds of paths produce different kinds of people. There's a path that produces wise people. There's a path that produces fools. And today I want to focus in on the truth that Proverbs reveals. The wise are those who are aware of their need for wisdom, and so they search for it. Fools try to figure it out on their own. Wise people are aware that they need some help, and they ask for it. Fools try to figure it out on their own. The wise are those who search. And today, we're going to talk about the wisdom of searching. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning? I'm going to be in Proverbs chapter 1 beginning with verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 7, and then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 5. So Proverbs chapter 1, starting with verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. The Proverbs of Solomon, King David's son from Israel. Their purpose is to teach wisdom and discipline, to help one understand wise sayings. They provide insightful instruction, which is righteous, just, and full of integrity. They make the naive mature, the young knowledgeable and discreet. The wise hear them and grow in wisdom. Those with understanding gain guidance. They help one understand proverbs and difficult sayings, the words of the wise and their puzzles. Listen, church. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Skipping down to chapter 2, verse 1. My son, accept my words and store up my commands. Turn your ear toward wisdom and stretch your mind towards understanding. Check it out. Call out for insight. Cry aloud for understanding. Seek it like silver. Search for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. So when you read through the book of Proverbs, you might notice that Proverbs is set up like this wise old sage instructing their child. And the wise sage is instructing the child that Growing in wisdom and walking down the path of wisdom is critically important. And so wisdom, according to the book of Proverbs, is readily available. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 20, the proverb writer says that wisdom cries out in the streets. It shouts in the street corners. So wisdom is crying and it's calling out and it's shouting but you and I are called to search for it. It's something that's readily available, but it's up to us to look for it. Check out what Annie Dillard says. The writer and the author Annie Dillard has to say about wisdom. She says this, At its best, it's the, sensation of, uh, the sensation of wisdom is that of any unmerited grace. It's handed to you, but only if you look for it. You search, you break your heart, your back, your brain, and then and only then, it's handed to you. From the corner of your eye, you can see motion. Something's moving there and headed your way. 
So Proverbs pleads with us. Look for it. Search for it. It's there, but you have to want to find it. In in chapter 2 that we just read, it shows up with the escalation of verbs as the Proverbs writer continues to pour his heart out, pleading for these people to become people who look for and search for wisdom. Chapter 2 starts with saying, if you accept my words. And then it moves on to, if you store them. And then if you call out, if you cry aloud. And finally, if you search for it like it's hidden treasure. There is this escalating sense of urgency. And that's the point. Wisdom and walking down the path of wisdom is not automatic. Foolishness is our default settings as human beings. We got that. We don't need instruction on how to be a fool. We don't need to take a course in order to grow in our foolishness. The path of wisdom is innate to us. Or the path of foolishness is innate to us, but we have to grow in wisdom. We don't grow into foolishness. We're already there. And so the Proverbs come to us and they're pleading. Search. Look. Find. Urgently. Look for wisdom. It's, like not, it's not nonchalant. It's, like, it's not like uh, the process of osmosis. Like I'll just happen into this. Or maybe one day I'll wake up and all of a sudden I'll be wise. Or it will just happen to me someday. Like someday it'll just come and I'll just kind of fall in to wisdom. It's not that at all. It's this urgent sense of desperation. In fact, the first nine chapters, if you've been keeping up with us, you're halfway through. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are basically God saying to us, Get help. Find someone who can help you. Search for a different perspective. Don't make these decisions in isolation all by yourself. Because what is at stake in Proverbs is not whether or not, not whether you and I get a little bit of a tweak to our life so that we become like incrementally better. What is at stake in the book of Proverbs is life but it's also death. And that's what Proverbs is trying to communicate. Whether we make wise decisions or foolish decisions is not whether or not we have a little bit of a better life. It is a matter of life and death because the path of wisdom ends up in life, but the path of foolishness ends up in death. The path of foolishness ends with the death of relationships. It ends up with financial death. It ends up with the separation of marriages. It ends up with the death of a career or a vocation, the death of friendships, the path of foolishness. What is at stake is life and death, and that's the end result. So God is pleading with us today through the book of Proverbs, search for wisdom. If you go down that path, Proverbs warns us, you will suffer 
If you follow the path of foolishness, it will hurt and it will be painful. And it's like the writer of the Proverbs is shouting to us, don't suffer in vain. Don't suffer needlessly. You know, sometimes I wonder, I know this won't happen, but sometimes I wonder if at the end of it all and we meet Jesus face to face and and Jesus kind of sits down and shows us like a chart of our life, right? Like a chart of our life. Sometimes I wonder on that chart how much suffering we went through, but we didn't need to go through it. And I wonder if when we see God face to face, he'll kind of chart out our suffering and point to like seasons of our life where it was hard and it hurt. And God was like, oh yeah, I know what that was all about. Like you were growing and you're developing and anytime you grow and you're developing, it's going to be painful and you're going to suffer a little bit. But then I wonder sometimes if like God will look at the chart of our life and look at that thing and sit down with us and be like, I don't know what that was about. Like you were on your own there. Like I wasn't in that. I don't, I don't know. Because I, this is, listen, this is not like heady theology. I, I really believe that there is divine pain and there's dumb pain. There's divine pain and dumb pain. And divine pain matures us. God uses it to grow us up. I mean, anytime you grow up into something that you're not, that's the process of change and it hurts. And God does that. And you know, Scripture says that God prunes us so that more fruit will grow. Divine pain is pain for the sake of wisdom. It is pain along the path of wisdom that leads to life. Divine pain is take up your cross and follow me. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. And to be crucified, last time I checked, kind of hurts. That's divine, that's divine pain. But then there's dumb pain. And dumb pain is self-inflicted. Like you didn't have to do that. God wasn't calling you to do it, but you did it. Maybe like you got into a relationship and everybody knew that was a bad idea. Like even the dog knew. Like the dog was in on it. Like the dog was like, ooh, that person? Mm, no. But you didn't ask anybody, and you didn't search out another perspective, and it hurt. And a few years later, like, you realize, man, that was dumb pain. Or you make a financial decision, and you didn't have to, and you didn't need to. And it took years of good financial decisions to fix that one dumb financial decision. That's, that's dumb pain. And most of the time, we experience, all of us in this room, by the way, if you're thinking, oh man, I'm an idiot, all of us in this room have experienced dumb pain. And most of the time we experience that dumb pain because we didn't urgently seek for wisdom. Like we weren't searching that out. It was crying. It was calling out in the streets. It was being shouted in the marketplace. But because we didn't search it out, because we didn't look for it, we ended up in that place of dumb pain. And it's really weird because all we do these days is search. That's all we do. We search. Here's some statistics. There's 2.3 million Google searches per second. 
2.3 million Google searches per second. 11 billion desktop, this does not include your tablet or your phone, 11 billion desktop Google searches per month. Here's the sad reality. We know how to search for information. We have no clue how to search for wisdom. We know how to go on YouTube and search for how to fix something or make something or repair something. We know how to search for information. We have no clue how to search for wisdom. And we have a ton of information. In fact, we have more information now than we've ever had any information at any point in history. But information doesn't make us wise. We have more college graduates in our culture than we've ever had college graduates in our culture before. But diplomas that we can hang on walls doesn't make us wise. And Proverbs says that wisdom is calling out in the streets. And the path of wisdom ends in the flourishing of all of humanity. But we don't search for it. We don't look for wisdom. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? I think some of it is fear. To search for wisdom means I don't have all the answers. And if I don't have all of the answers, then I have like limitations. And if I have limitations, then I have weaknesses. And to be honest, we're afraid that we have weaknesses. And so if we ask for wisdom, people will know that we need help. And then those people might judge us, and we're afraid of that. So like we made a financial decision or... Our marriage relationship isn't in a good spot, but to tell somebody that we need some help, we're afraid of what they'll have to say. I think some of it's fear. I think some of it is pride. Like our pride keeps us from searching out wisdom. You know, we're like, hey, listen, I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-made. I can handle this myself. Pride is like a fancier name for self-sufficiency. To say you're self-sufficient is to really just say you're prideful. I think fear stops us. I think pride stops us. But I think the layer beneath all of that is shame. I mean, listen, we're embarrassed. We're ashamed by our weaknesses. So, like, we want to search for financial wisdom, but we know what that means. We know that means we're going to have to tell somebody how in debt we are and how much we owe and like what our credit score is. We're going to have to tell somebody that like we're living paycheck to paycheck and we're ashamed of that. And that shame has such a grip on us that it keeps us in isolation. Where have you allowed fear or pride or shame to keep you from searching for wisdom. I mean, maybe your marriage relationship is not in a good spot, but you keep saying to yourself, we can fix this ourselves. We don't need a counselor. We don't need somebody else. Like, we can handle this ourselves. Or maybe, like, you have an addiction. And you keep telling yourself, when I want to, I can stop. When I want to, I can stop. I don't need help. When I want to, I can stop. 
Scripture says, the wise search for it. But fools try to do it on their own. In fact, here's here's what Scripture says. Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or flip that around. If we want to grow in the path and in the way of wisdom, it starts, the beginning of that journey is the fear of the Lord. And for many of us, that phrase, the fear of the Lord, is a tough phrase. Like, we don't, we don't know what that means. Does that mean, like, we're supposed to be afraid of God like we were afraid of, like, our dad or our mom? And especially if we came from, like, a broken relationship in our home life where we didn't have a good thing going on with our dad or with our mom and we lived daily in fear of what they would be like to read the Proverbs and to hear it said that the beginning part, the genesis of this journey towards wisdom is to start off by fearing the Lord. Most, some of us are like, I don't, want, I don't want to serve a God that I have to be afraid of all of the time. In fact, fear has this incredibly negative connotation. Truth is, we're afraid of nearly everyone and everything in the world today. We're just scared to death of it. And I find that one of my most prominent roles as pastor is to reiterate the most common phrase of Jesus over and over and over again to people. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. And it's 100% true that we don't have to be afraid of other people and we don't have to be afraid of circumstances. But it's also true that we need to have this healthy, reverential source of fear in front of the Lord. We live in a culture where we've turned Jesus into our friend or our buddy or our advocate or like this prophet, this radical prophet who aligns with the causes in the world that we align with. And all of that is true, but he's not our bro. And so to experience the full measure of God's power and to not feel some stirring of fear or awe, that doesn't mean we're macho or we're tough or we're like spiritually enlightened, we know who God really is, it means we're numb. It means we're numb. In fact, there is one person in the Bible who experienced the power of God, who experienced the work and the might of God, and this person happened to not have any source of fear in front of the Lord. And that guy's name was Pharaoh. And you remember that story. Pharaoh is the ruler of Egypt, and Pharaoh enslaved God's people. And Pharaoh's empire was built on the backs of these slaves, and God wasn't cool with it. So God sent Moses. Moses walked into Pharaoh's court and said, hey, I have a word from the Lord, and the word from the Lord is, he's tired of us being slaves. You have to let us go. Pharaoh said, no way, man, you guys are making me rich. Not going to do that. So Moses said, well, the Lord's going to send some plagues. You remember those plagues? They were nasty. Like water sources turning into blood, warts 
and boils and frogs and gnats. Gross. And then there's this one line in Exodus chapter 9, verse 30, where Moses says this to Pharaoh. But as for you, Pharaoh, and your officials, I know you do not yet fear the Lord. The path of foolishness leads us into a place where we really do believe that we can do this thing on our own and we don't need any help. And ultimately what it convinces us of is that we're God and God exists to serve our interests. To fear the Lord